What's up, producers? Welcome back to the EDM podcast. My name is Sam Matler, and if you're wondering how I'm doing right now, the answer is not well. See, when I record these podcast intros, I need to make sure that there's little to no background noise, uh, which in my case means all the windows are closed in the studio. I don't have the fan on. But the unfortunate thing is that I don't currently have aircon. It's about 27 degrees Celsius outside, which to me is really hot. I know for some of you listening, that's kind of cold for you. Um, but it's really warm and I'm dying, but it's okay. We'll get through this quickly. This episode is with Drulu. Uh, that is spelled D-R-O-E-L-O-E. I don't think they need an introduction. If you don't know who they are, then check out their music first before listening to this episode. Do it. You'll be blown away. In this episode, we talk about how they met Booty, their manager, uh, who I've also interviewed on the podcast in episode 2 and 36. We talk about what their workflow looks like, the heated discussions they've had as a duo, and a bunch of other stuff. It's a really fun interview. Uh, I enjoyed talking to them both, so I hope you enjoy listening. Now, one thing I want to mention just before we get to the interview is the track breakdowns that we're doing over at the blog can find these at edmprod.com forward slash blog. Uh, this is a series where Connor, who's head of product and lead support at EDMProd and a phenomenal producer, where Connor breaks down the theory and arrangement behind popular songs. Uh, the latest breakdown is of a track named Imperium by Madion. It's an immense tune. It took him two whole days to analyze it and write up the post. And you get to read it, you get to consume it, learn from it, apply the techniques explained uh, in 15 to 30 minutes. So it's for free, you don't have to pay anything, you just head over to the blog and read it. So uh, that is edmprod.com forward slash blog, you'll find it there. That's all for now, I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the interview. Welcome back to the EDM podcast today. I am joined by Drulu. That's how it's pronounced, right? Yes. Yes, that's precisely how it's pronounced. The only reason I know that is because I came across you guys via Booty, who we both know, obviously, and that's how he said it. So I always correct, you know, friends of mine who, who listen to your music and they say Drolo. Um, it's like, no, it's Drulu. So I'm glad I got that right. <laughs> good, good. Thanks, thanks for being an advocate of good pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, where did the name come from? I'm curious. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's actually just like, it's, it's actually a really, um, really bad story. Yeah. Drulu is basically, it's like Dutch slang that at one point just only got used by like super white boys. Um, and, it basically, <laughs> and it basically means um, drunk or at least like feeling, feeling a little bit happy and uplifted, so to say. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. That, like, that's, um, that's, how we, that's how we got the name, I guess. It was just thought <laughs> as a joke. Yeah. Like, like all things yeah. start with us as a joke or like, yeah. <laughs> what if we try this or what if we just do it? And then we did it. And, and then we, it stuck. Yeah. <laughs> then we did it. It stuck, and then now we're here. We can't really get rid of it anymore. Yeah, Not that we want to, but it's, but it's more like looking back at it. You were like, oh, "What were we thinking?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm curious. Then tell us um, 
I want to hear individually how you both got into music and then I want to hear about how you came together and, and formed Trulu. Well, I, um, my parents were both music- uh, musicians. So I got like a pretty big amount of music in my uh, upbringing. And when I was about 14, I, start- I started to make my own beats because I was uh, rapping at the time in Dutch. So, and I, I found out that I liked that more than the actual rapping. So I started to make beats. And then um, I went to the HKU after uh, high school. And that's where I uh, met your boy, Hein. Yeah, that's where we, that's where we met. Um, for me, like I didn't have any, my mom is probably the most arrhythmical person in the world. She no musical background whatsoever, but um, she taught me a bunch of different things, but music wasn't one of them. <laughs> uh, and for me, I like when I was, I think when I was about 10, I started like dabbling into music producing mainly into like, I was, I was a really big fan of hard style back then. Um, mm. So like I, I tried to make some hard style and it was really, it was just really fun. It was more of a, like a, a hobby. Um, and then I started DJing. I really liked that. And that like kind of became my thing for a while, but it was also, um, really, I was also always like drawing and creating stuff and doing the more visual side of things. And at one point I decided that that was going to be more my thing, I guess. Hmm. And then I also went to the HKU, but not for anything music related, but for image and media technology which is basically like a mixture of graphic design and film. Um, Mm. And then Vince and I actually met on a project I was working on um, with a mutual friend of ours. And then another another mutual friend of ours sent me uh, Vince's SoundCloud link because we needed somebody to help us out with some audio stuff. And then they sent Vince's SoundCloud link through. And I believe the first song I checked was... um, which is actually a whole different story, but fun nonetheless. The first song I checked was the old version of one of oh, our tracks yeah. called Winged Warrior. Oh yeah. Huh. That was the first track I, I listened to, like to the really old, old version. I was like, well, this is the guy we need. Like, it's still up on SoundCloud, actually. Yeah, it's still, it's still up there. Is it? It's like a, a little hidden Easter egg, I guess. <laughs> Where can I find this? Um, it's, I think your old, yeah. Yeah, my old SoundCloud page. It's uh, Beat Ballistics. <laughs> Beat Ballistics. I was young. I was, <laughs> I was young, 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 and reckless. <laughs> Cool, cool. So, so yeah, that's that's basically uh, that's basically the story, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, we worked on we worked on a project together, like, and I was at your place all the time because of it. Yeah, and then we started like fucking around with some some beats, and then we were like, "Oh, what's this trap thing about? And what's this this future bass <laughs> thing? Uh, yeah, what's all that?" Like, I, th- I think our love love for like bass music started really ironically. Yeah, well, for this kind of bass music, actually, because yeah. we already love. Uh, guys like Noisia, and and that was a, a thing that we bonded over actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this 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 new thing, the 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 trappy kind of vibes. We started, yeah, joking around with it. Yeah, just joking around with it, and then at some point we um, 
we kind of like at that at first it was more like we we knew the Flostradamus, we knew roll a bauer remix stuff like that like the more like run of the mill trap i wouldn't say yeah i wouldn't really say I, yeah like i i don't i don't really want to say run of the mill but it's like that like the classical trap so to say yeah and we like i think like we fucked with it but it was more on like a funny and ironical level i yeah. guess mm-hmm. and then we came across guys like mr carmack and jemba jemba and great dane and, and we were like oh damn we can do a lot more with this this genre or this vibe than we initially thought yeah it's, it was more like it doesn't always have to be just trap bangers it can be something more musical and more um emotional so to say i think that's what stands out with your music you know it is at least to me it's like this is a song it's not just a beat it's not just like a track it's a song uh and it has it has meaning and it has a story behind it uh, i am i'm curious it sounds like you were somewhat conscious about designing or like forming your unique sound is that true or did it just kind of fall into place um i guess it a little bit of both because um well prior to drulu i was already um working a lot of, uh, with organic sounds and stuff like that um but the um, yeah the belly the with with all the bells and stuff and 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 the the glockenspiel and 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 these kind of sounds yeah they were kind of thought out and yeah because i know i know a lot of people struggle with that like (laughs) i asked my audience what is something you want me to ask truly and they they a lot of them said this how do you get a unique sound like how did you create that it's a huge struggle for producers Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, only thing I, I could think of is keep on experimenting and, and, mm-hmm. and try everything that you can think of. And, and at some point, well, that's, at least that's what I uh, noticed, um, you can think of a sound and, and like think of the way that, it's, uh, that it should be built, in, if that makes sense. Like you hear a sound in your head and you, you have like a couple steps that you could get there as well so it's yeah it's more like the it's more like the tools aren't necessarily the boundary anymore it's more like if you can think of it you can kind of figure out a way to build it yeah you do have to know your tools well though yeah of course of course but then after i think after a certain um after a certain amount of time it just becomes uh basically muscle memory or something like ear ear memory (laughs) yeah true true yeah i know it's a really hard thing to explain when it's like intuitive for you um i am interested in what goes into your sound design process though Uh, like do you build your sounds completely from scratch do you tweak presets how do you think about sound design as a whole good question um i think um the sound design that we do these days is is very much layered base Uh, so so we use um layers a lot and therefore like i'm also always looking for a sound that has a little bit of organic material in there and um like a base of, of main main sound of a of a synth and i use serum most of the times mm. um so yeah i i most of the time i start working with a um with a serum patch 
and then layer some other, um, maybe some contact libraries over it with the same um, melodies or a little different. So therefore, it, it like blends together, stuff like that, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. Absolutely. Going back to your story for a moment, you know, you're making music together, you're kind of mucking around. How do you come across Booty and like what has that relationship been like? How's it helped? How did we come across Booty? Um, well, how did he come across you? Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's more. I think it's it, it was a kind of mutual come across though, because we um, we released some songs and then Bodamian, a f- fellow Bitbird artist, we met him for the we met him for the first time, and he reposted one of our tracks. Um, our zoo, yeah. It's a, it's a really, it's a really yeah. old track. I think nowadays it's on Spotify, but like at that yeah, point we was, weren't like we weren't even releasing music to Spotify. It was all just SoundCloud, um, yeah. and we were very green in the industry, so to say. We didn't know anything. <laughs> no, it was just hey, look at this really cool track with this cool artwork. Let's put it out. Um, <laughs> and then twenty minutes later, it was on SoundCloud, but. Um, he reposted our track and then a couple days later, we, uh, I got a notification on my phone saying that Son Holo followed me on Twitter. Back then I didn't know who Son was, no, what he was doing or anything. We were just like, Oh, that guy has a lot of followers. That's cool. And then, <laughs> and then like, I, I believe like a couple hours after that, we got a message from, uh, Bitbird, uh, saying that they really like what we're doing and that they are looking, are um, that they really want to release something of us on their label. Then a couple of weeks later, we meet up with Son and Torwald, um, the like, original founders of Bitbird. And Booty was and still is managing Son. And I yeah. think that process just like um, came naturally, I guess. Like at first, we, like we met Booty. He was quite an uh, imposing guy, so to say. He, has a, he was like... We're like, oh, this is this is the the big man, the big man himself, or something. Like, it was just, it was, it was really strange. But um, yeah, after like releasing a couple tracks with Bitbird, and um, I think Booty saw that we had potential, and he really wanted to get on board and help mm-hmm. us help us grow. So I guess that's how we came mm-hmm. across Booty. I love that. That's cool. Um. I want to hear about one of my favorite songs from yours, which I heard a while back, but there's just something about it. There's something special about it. Uh, Kintsugi. It's very unique. Like it's not, I can't really compare it to anything else. Um, How did that come about? What was your mindset when you came up with that idea and, was it any kind of production tricks that you wanted to try out with it? It's like that track's been in the making for so, yeah, so long. long time, yeah. Like a really, really long time. Like, I think that was because when we first started, it was just me and Vince. And then uh, one of our friends who also like we, me and my friend shared a house and Vince basically stayed over 24 seven. And then I, th- I think we, or no, maybe a little later. bit after that. But yeah, then, I think later. Yeah. And then I believe it was the first time you tried to do some, um, like, analog mimicking compression or like, with, like tape yeah, saturation yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I was, I was like experimenting a lot with tape saturation and stuff like that. And then like, I think I, then Kintsuki 
came out of that. Um, just like the first drop, well, the rudimentary version of the first drop, and then mm. I believe the second melody with the boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Those are just 808s, by the way. Oh, sick, sick. But I, that was the first, that was the first version of Kintsuki. And then I think skip back like a year almost. Yeah, it's a year back. Yeah. And then we, um, the Bitbird guys asked us to, um, put something on their Golden Finch 2 com compilation. And at the time, I think we were busy working on the EP oh, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. We were like really busy working on our, like the beauty P and it was just like, oh, man, like we really want to put something out in this compilation, but we just like, we're working on this EP, like all our creative energy is drained, so to say. So, and then there was this, um, work in progress and uh, we finished that. Yeah. It's basically, yeah. I think that came about in like a, couple, week. Yeah, a week or something. Yeah, a week. That's so cool. Do you guys know? music theory because it, it sounds like it i mean melodically little, yeah. and harmonically a little a, bit yeah well a little bit like uh, have to um admit that most of it is uh um by ear yeah but, um yeah like i i played the trumpet so i know uh, musical uh writing and and notes and stuff like that but i never think about that when i'm producing actually um, sometimes I think like, oh, uh, I don't even know what it, what the terms are in English actually. So yes, <laughs> yes. The, 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 the circle of fifths. Yeah. Circle yeah, of fifths. Circle yeah. Fifths. I, I think about that sometimes and not more. But it's mainly by just by ear. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And one thing I really want to know about is what your workflow looks like. Um, how do you, let's say, you know, tomorrow you're sitting down to start a new project. Mm -hmm. What are the steps you go through as in, do you come up with a melody first, a beat? Does it change every time? And then how do you take an idea, just an idea through to completion? What does that look like for you? Well, it, it, it changes every time when, uh, what part we start on. Um, mm -hmm. so, Maybe it's a melody and, and if it's a melody, I start like building other instruments around it. Like it's a melody of 16 bars, so to say. And then mm. I, I build, uh, build uh, some percussion and build some, some bass lines, maybe some harmonies. And then I start muting the melody and maybe write another melody or write some other uh, thing. So I, I work a really long time on the same 16 bar block. Yeah, get a really big fat sixteen bar. Yeah, like, like with with <laughs> a lot of tracks muted, um, so I can like, so so yeah. Oh, that was your phone. <laughs> uh, well, so yeah, the, it, in the end, I have like a, a really big block of sixteen bars with a lot of uh, source material in there, and then I start um, picking out the the best parts and start like building an arrange uh, like building legos almost and then yeah start then most of the time <laughs> the, the 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 concept and the the story of a track comes at that like, yeah, at, at that, that moment in the in the yeah, process when we're once we're like arranging the whole thing and that's when we just discuss it a lot usually yeah, discuss it a lot <laughs> like a lot and the way we <laughs> like the way we like we we live in the same house when we're not on tour 
um, we kind of both just go our separate ways. And then like after dinner, usually we just talk about stuff that we have and that we need each other's help on or feedback or just brainstorm about anything, basically. What does that look like? You know, you're sitting down and talking. I don't think we've had a few duos on, but they never really talk about that, like discussion. Discussion. Well, so basically the, the, like the, um, the thing between like within our duo, so to say, is that Finn focuses more on the music. I focus more on the visual and branding side and like the whole story as a, as an like, overarching thing. Um, well, like, I, I don't know, like how, what do our discussions look like? Like sometimes they go over smoothly. Heated, some, very some, heated. Sometimes they're, <laughs> sometimes they're super heated. Sometimes they're super heated, um, but resolve pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's like usually we have like a five minute really heated conversation, and then we it's just like ah okay, but what like like what was I even t- talking yeah. about? <laughs> what's an example? I'm so I'm so curious. What's an example of like a time where it got heated? What was it over? Oh shit! Um, um, time where it got heated. I think I think we had we had quite some heated discussions about uh, one of our records. Uh, jump! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> yeah, we had some we had some really heated ones about that because the the thing like the whole time while making that record we were both just a little bit uncertain. Yeah, it was different from what we've done before that. Yeah, it was really different. Like we just came out of I believe the track release before that was the one with Son, which was like super poppy and like really. Um, yeah, like like really, I more serious, say, less like happy and weird. And yeah, weird. more serious, less weird. And then jump was like super weird. Like it, the first drop was like more groovy. The second drop was almost like four to the floor hardcore, hard style, hard style halftime type stuff, just crazy shit. And then at the end, like the discussion was mainly about that. I believe one of us was a really big fan of the first drop, and the other one wasn't a really big fan of the first drop, and vice versa. So it was just like a tug of war between like, no, we should take out that drop. No, no we should take I out like that drop. I liked it. Let's just pull the track in general. And then yeah. they, it just like, it got really heated. Um, Booty had to step in to give his professional opinion. Yeah. <laughs> and we went he was for, like, no, you guys are fine. This is a great track. Fucking release it. Yeah. <laughs> we, went, we went for a walk in downtown The Hague, had a, had a cup of coffee and talked about it and decided oh, yeah. to keep the track as is wow. and release it. Are you a new producer? Master the fundamentals of electronic music production by making four songs in four weeks with our course, EDM Foundations. Over 800 producers have taken the course and had great results. Head over to edmfoundations.com and use code PRODCAST at checkout for 10% off. That is edmfoundations.com with code PRODCAST, P-R-O-D-C-A-S-T, at checkout. So uh, another thing that stands out in your productions is the use of percussion uh, and drums. Do you create your own samples? Uh, if not, where do you where do you get them? What are some of your favorite packs? And then I've got a follow up question on that. All right, um, we record some of our uh, percussions. We we created some of our own um, uh, sample banks, um, snaps. We uh, did ourselves. 
Yeah, a, a lot of uh, contact libraries as well. We um, uh, use the, the, the marching drums uh, a lot. Yeah, I guess that's a lot of snaps, a lot of marching band. What are some tips or tricks that you would give to producers listening to this for drum programming or drum processing? Because it's not the easiest thing for mm-hmm. producers to do. First thing that comes, uh, that comes to mind is um, be like, listen where, what the placing of your percussion is. Like if you put everything uh, dead center uh, in the, in stereo, then it will sound very dull and doesn't have like the, the power. So, so to say, so I, what I do a lot is um, like the, the, the top layers of percussion, like the snaps and the shakes and all that the hi-hats, um, always make a layer, which, um, is like, uh, simple delay, uh, like the haze, the, the ha- uh, Haas effect, you know, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So just like a little bit of delay between the two, uh, tracks and then very, very stereo broad, wide stuff like that. Um, compressing bus compression, um, like putting all the drums and all the, the, the percussive elements in one bus and slightly compressing it, stuff like that. Mm. That uh, is what I do a lot. Yeah. Try to find like it, it starts with the, uh, with the source, like find good mm. samples that work together really well. And that um, like overlap in, in frequencies is okay, but still like the the frequency uh spe- the whole spectrum is also like a I, I see it like a room that you can um put stuff in and if you put too much stuff in it it will not be a room you work where you could live so yeah mm-hmm. way and, and, and shit. <laughs> totally i like i like that you said uh it's about the source material because i remember early on making music you know i would have like a kick sample or a snare and it just wouldn't work and mm. i'd try to do everything to fix it you know process it to death yeah. and then like one day i realized that i could just probably find another snare sample that would fit yeah. way better yeah and then just do minimal processing to that yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. it's at, at some point you just know what works right together yeah. what kind of snares or what kind of kicks and, and stuff like that totally totally you can both answer this or just one of you but what frustrates you about the music production community as a whole (laughs) we we don't Mm -hmm. really have that much ties with the music production scene i believe yeah you could say music industry then if you if you want well music industry i like for me personally um it just like it may like yeah it frustrates me a little uh frustrates me a little more in like i feel that there's so much um that's there's so much good music that doesn't um that doesn't pop out of like the the giant buzz that some um some like major publishers or acts are creating yeah so it's like a lot of a lot of um a lot of really good stuff just doesn't really get the recognition because it like nowadays i feel that it's not as bad as in the era of CDs and like vinyl and stuff, but still there's a very like gatekeeper esque attitude with the music nowadays that it's just, you don't have the connections or the network to 
get your music out there in places that a lot of people see, it's really hard to, um, it's really hard to get to that point. Yeah. Like you, you, like you're kind of almost forced to um, be a copy of a, of an already, um, yeah. Like I don't really think you have to be a copy of like, so of well, like some, what, what a lot of A and R's look for. Yeah. Some like that. That's what, that's the feeling that we sometimes get. It's like, I always say that you're looking for something unique, though. But yeah, I don't know if that's true. For something unique, but something that's also really recognizable. Yeah, and they they want to, yeah, they have to sell it in the end. So they are looking for unique stuff that has the the yeah the the like recognizable fundamentals, so to say. Yeah, yeah, but it's like yeah. I I that's the part I just don't really like. Is in like some people just get just get forced like or like their music just doesn't doesn't scale so to say um yeah until they get like a, a proper team like a proper management team that helps them get get their stuff out there and it's like it just um i don't know you're like you're it's just sad it's just sad you're depriving the world of good music do you think that will ever change though i mean couldn't you say the same about all industries i don't know if i could say the same about all industries in general but i th- i think um Talking within my own like circle of, of what I like of what I see, so to say, yeah. um, I definitely feel that that's a that that's a thing within music that's maybe going to change at some point. Like it kind of changed when SoundCloud became really big, but now that Spotify playlisting yeah. is such a thing, it comes back, and it might just be a recurring right. thing where some there's going to be periods where it's basically a free market, and then at the end of the day, it kind of does yeah stay an industry and people would want to be in control of that industry. Yeah. Mm. See, I would have thought Spotify kind of remedied that in the sense that, I mean, I interviewed Austin Kramer and the one and only. he's obviously biased because he works at Spotify, but his whole perspective was that it, it do, that it solves that issue because he will playlist good music if it's good music. That's, that's true. But then I, it's it's difficult like i i do think kramer has good taste though. yeah i think kramer does have good taste but then would uh would like i don't know how many followers he has on the play on the playlist that he curates but would his mm. sole opinion be the the dictator of what music people get to listen to that's true that's what like kind of messes with me like i've I, yeah it's one person like, yeah it's one person like i think a, i think a while back we were um we were having uh, we were having a meeting at Spotify with Booty um, about like playlisting and how the algorithm works, and I think they talked about like some some playlist that um, like that basically determines um, just a random listener to be a tastemaker, as in like they've discovered they've listened to music before it went big, and every month they switch those tastemakers, and whatever those tastemakers listen to the most gets put into one playlist. Huh. Nobody knows who did th- like nobody knows that knows that they're a tastemaker. Oh wow! This oh yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and that like that seemed really so you could be a tastemaker. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> but that seemed really interesting to me, as in like you kind of because I do feel that there's some curation needed at some point, but you kind of trust. Um, yeah, it's like I think it's a more organic system of how the whole thing works. Wait, so just just so I understand correctly. Spotify has an algorithm that 
finds people who listen to music that eventually becomes popular before it becomes popular. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think so. I th- like, I think that's, that's what we about. understood from the, from the session. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. I never knew that. <laughs> yeah. But like it's, it's, cle- it's clever though. It's very- like, mm-hmm. I think it would make for interesting, interesting playlists instead of, um, instead of like the big playlists, which are fun to listen to, but it, it's usually just, Cut, like it's usually just a lot of big names with big records yeah. and personally my like favorite music isn't is like nine out of ten times not the big big artist with the big big record so yeah yeah totally no i'm the same uh and i do like spotify for that wow i don't know how to explain it but you know discover weekly has been awesome for me yeah, yeah put it on same, same here man just like, come across awesome music and that wouldn't have happened with like Beatport, you know, because Beatport was so, it was just whatever sold the most you'd hear, whatever, yeah. or you used to listen to, have to listen to long mixes to come across new music. Yeah, yeah no, definitely, dude. I, like, I love, I love those, like, those like auto curated on what you listen uh, playlists. Mm. That's for me personally, it's one of the only, uh, one of the only ways I find new music nowadays. Just like I check it every Friday, basically. Awesome. Well, I've got a couple more questions. What's coming up next for Drew? Like, have you guys got anything exciting in the works? Anything you can talk about? Coming Friday, so January the 26th, um, we have a track called Backbone together with uh, Neve or Nev. 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 I still don't know how to pronounce it. It's N E double B E. How ironical. Yeah. Jolo mispronouncing your <laughs> Man, I can only I can already <laughs> see your EDM headlines. Yes. It's Jolo enough. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, just the cabinet of mispronunciation. But um yeah, no, track's called Backbone. We're really excited about it. Um and yeah, besides that, like we're always working on new stuff. Um we're already working on the next thing, obviously, because uh that's the way it goes. The way it goes. Mm. And uh, also uh, planning uh, our agendas and looking into uh, when we are going to uh, fly again. Yeah, that's also been a thing that's been messing up our schedules. Well, not really messing <laughs> up, but it's like, like at, so we basically we just came back from a almost four-month-long four tour together with Son, um, started in Australia, the US, which was really interesting it kind of like gave us the stepping stone we needed to start to now start looking into so into like touring solo was that your first big like big tour um, the, well the biggest tour yeah that for sure yeah like yeah. it was not the first though no the first one was uh, back in march last year we went to the us with son for for about a month that's right yeah what expectations did you have about touring and what were some things that surprised you um, I, th- I think I think that's hard. Like I personally am a big advocate of to not expect too much. Mm. To just keep my expectations like on the like I on the low low end, like low medium end. I, I don't like to. Is that like, so you don't you don't get disappointed? Yeah, so I don't get disappointed, and I think I I I do feel that that's that that's sometimes clever when performing because it can really it can really hurt you if it doesn't turn out the way you thought it would be like if you're really like i've had a couple shows where i was just like really living up to that show 
Oh, and yeah. And then it like kind of, eh, it was a fun show, but nothing like you imagine or something. Okay. So one more question. You, you're walking down the street in The Hague and uh, all of a sudden the UFO comes down and they're going to abduct you both, but they give you a piece of paper and a pen and they uh, let you write three pieces of advice to the world, to producers, to whoever you want on the piece of paper, and then you're taken away. What is written on that piece of paper? Don't talk to strangers, especially when they're aliens. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah. yeah, don't talk to people who offer you candy or seem really nice at first. It's just usually doesn't pay out. No. <laughs> Speaking from past experience, or no, no, but I've, I've, I've heard enough stories. Jeez. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um. Yeah. Advice. Wow. Um. Yeah. It sounds really cliche, but it's as true as they get. Um. Stay true to yourself and do what you feel like, and make money. Yeah, that's why you try to make money doing it. That's I, mean. I don't know. I have a I have a lot of conversations with like friends that I've known for a really long time, like from elementary school. And I think one of the one of the biggest struggles for like myself, but also a lot of my friends, is to find what you really want to do. And I think it's really uh, I think one of my pieces of advice would be is to actively try a lot of stuff and try yeah. and find what yeah. you really like to do because. That's for, for me. Just do it. Yeah. And sometimes also just fucking do it. But it's more like, I, I think that for me personally has been the biggest help in my life that I like really solidly knew what I wanted to do and what steps I had to take to get there basically. Yeah. And that's what just like kept me going and happy. Stay in school. Yeah. Keep your nose clean. Keep your nose clean. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like honestly, School is no. a whole different um, talk, but um, stay in school if it works for you, basically. I like what you said about just trying things, though. I mean, so many people, you know, I want to find my passion, want to find my passion, but they just wait around and they don't do anything. I think the key is to just try little things out. Wanting something gets you nowhere. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's just makes you stationary. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing, man. Like, I I would say, like, some of my friends, they like they like they study business or like some type of like uh, uh, how do you how do you say that like conventional conventional yeah. thing or something like yeah. business or economics like or like, five. yeah like a nine to five office job which is perfectly fine if that works for you yeah. but then they stick to that because they're like yeah but like I need a solid job or something it's which is like well like I think you're selling yourself short yeah on, like, like if you're young why would you settle so quickly? Why wouldn't you, um, yeah, try some more? Yeah. It's like, and of, and, and of course, like, I think some people have the liberty to fuck around for a while. Some, some don't, and that's, that's all fine. But then mm. even if you're, even if you're even eventually working that nine to five and you're still not happy, just actively try stuff. Like actively, yeah, actually, try, actively try to change it. Yeah. I like that. That's great advice. Uh, guys, thanks heaps for coming on the show. This has been awesome. Of course. And finally, where can people find you online? Um, check out your stuff. Check out our stuff. Well, of course, Spotify. Spotify. The one and only. The big man. Dreoleo, a.k.a. the real way you pronounce it. Drew <laughs> Um 
on socials, Drulu Music, on everything. Yes. From the Instagram to the Facebook to the Twitters. You know the we whole We don't channel. have Snapchat because we hate Snapchat. Yeah. But Instagram stories are fly. Yes. <laughs> I like boomerangs. Boomerangs are nice. And super zooms. And super zooms. Did you enjoy this episode? Help us out by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Head over to edmproduct.com forward slash iTunes to do so. Until next time, happy producing.